0: Good morning, Guppies, Geekdom Underground listeners, everyone out there. Uh, Welcome to another episode of the Geekdom Underground podcast. It is me, your boy, JRG, hanging out as always with my boy.
1: Hey, what's going on? Good morning, everybody. My name is Philip Hernandez. I'm COO here at Geekdom, and I am super excited today to have one of our guests, a longtime Geekdom member, Eric Marcano, the VP of Marketing over at Precio Spine, which is a medical device company. Eric, thank you. You so much for joining us. Oh,
2: well, thank you for having me, and good morning.
1: Yeah, yes. good morning. I yeah, appreciate this. Let's for get sure. this. Yeah, let's get this rocking and rolling. As you all know, we like to keep it cool, casual, and just like to chill down here in the Geekdom Underground Podcast Studio, which is underground. underground. Hey, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Eric, uh, like I said, great to have you here. So let's go ahead and kick it off. If you could just tell me a little bit about yourself. Where you're from? I'm originally from San Juan, Puerto Rico. Oh, right on. That's right, yeah. Okay. So I uh, grew up there early years and then
2: ended up in Georgia for my teen years. So if I start talking like this after a little while, <laughs> you know where it comes from?
1: Uh, it, yeah. works, it works its way into the country. It, it, it really does.
2: Uh, I, I've tried faking a Puerto Rican accent, and it just doesn't work out anymore. But uh, uh, but yeah, that's where I'm, I'm from originally. And um, so it uh, very different perspectives in life yeah. between uh, big city and San Juan and moving to a uh, very rural uh, Georgia yeah and so uh, I, I almost uh, credit a lot of what I do right now based on some of that upbringing
1: on that transition absolutely what what age were you when you uh when you moved over
2: I was 11 years old
1: oh wow okay so a lot yeah. of your formative years were over in Puerto yeah. Rico yeah. but then 11 years old that's a big transitionary period of your life absolutely to be making yeah. a big move like it, that it's,
2: it's huge you know yeah. but uh I, I'll tell you what what was important to me and and this really changed me was seeing snow for the first time. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you that was, once (laughs) I saw that, I'm like, I like Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. I I could deal with that. So that's awesome. Uh, Very, very big difference from the beach, but uh, it's, it, I loved it very much.
1: What, what caused the transition? I imagine at 11 years old, you didn't have much say on (laughs) where you're moving. Let's
2: just say I did. I didn't have much of a say in that. Um, But uh, but yeah, I ended up uh, you know, doing uh, middle school and, and high school and, yeah. uh, in Georgia. A um, little bit, a little bit of college of, uh, over there as well. Cool. Yeah. Go dogs. Go dogs. Oh, yeah. right yeah. on. Yeah, Is that absolutely.
1: the mascot for the for Georgia
2: Georgia, bu- Georgia Bulldogs? Oh man, okay. come
1: on, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> 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 Obviously, I'm out of the loop on that. We can fix that in post. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the dogs. Hey, hey. Let's, let's edit that out. <laughs> But anyway, well, that's really cool. So, yeah. um, so a, a very wide uh, range from when you're growing up at the beach down to discovering snow and the bulldogs and all those things. So, uh, what were you into when you were growing up?
2: Oh gosh, uh, great! I've, I've never had anybody ask me that question. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that, one. That uh, happens
1: in the in Geekdom Underground. Yeah, hard hitting questions. I will have to tell you, I was uh, skateboarding. Oh right on! Yeah, hey, you're in good company
2: here. I, I know. Oh, yeah. I, I, so uh, I, I did a lot of skateboarding uh, growing up, and uh, between that and uh, uh, played a little football. And uh, when I realized I wasn't big enough uh, yeah. to to take yeah. the hits, uh, I stuck with band. Yeah. And uh, so marching band was uh, was a big deal for me. Uh, so that's pretty much how I spent you know a lot of those years. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: so Puerto Rico until you were you were eleven, then Georgia, um you're discovering all these the the different paths that you can take from yeah. skateboarding to football to marching band. Um, what was when did you turn to marketing, and when was like a startup or working with an entrepreneur something that was interesting to you?
2: Oh boy, we'd have to wait another. I don't want to give up my, give up uh, my age here, uh, but we'd be looking at about another fifteen or so years after that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so you're twenty seven. Uh, oh, sh- <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Appreciate <laughs> you know what. <laughs> just became my best friend. Hey, uh, you know, t- I'll tell you what. That was one of those kind of things that um, how I got there was just yet another long road. Yeah, uh, I-, I did a party a little bit too hard. At the University of Georgia. And uh, so uh, my sophomore year I decided to join the Air Force to grow up a little bit. Oh, but right on. Yeah, so I spent uh, a few years in the Air Force, uh, living in Las Vegas, uh, you know trying to get away from the party scene in Georgia, ended up in the <laughs> in ended Vegas. up in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, it was uh, definitely grew up a lot. I was part of a special, you know, part of a special access program, very top secret and uh you grew up really quickly under those circumstances yeah. um but my uh first career really uh you know stepping away from the military was you know first finishing uh my degree and in, in athletic training at the at UNLV in Las Vegas so I got into sports medicine wow. and so you know for me being a clinician was was it was a big deal I loved doing that I was you know sidelines in football games and I worked in uh, rehab clinics as well. I did move back to Puerto Rico. Um, you know, my brother, <laughs> I went uh, a little, did a little deep sea fishing with my brother and yes. caught the bug. So I packed up my stuff and mm-hmm. and uh, moved back over there. And so over there, I worked at the Olympic Training Center in uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, so, wow. Yeah. I didn't I, even
1: know that, that was a thing. Yeah.
2: it. Uh, they have their own Olympic committee. And uh, so I was... Uh, Head athletic, head athletic trainer, of the, uh, pretty much the Olympic training center. So I covered a lot of sports, everything from gymnastics, judo, uh, did Pan Am games, Olympic games. So I had a really great career in, uh, in, in, in that area of athletic training, uh, also started up a sports medicine uh, program, uh, undergraduate program at the university of Puerto Rico at one of the, uh, one of the campuses over there, which is still going strong. So it was, um, again, a very intense time in my life, uh, I had to uh, learn how to market myself, mm-hmm. uh, market my uh, profession. So uh, athletic training as a, a profession was brand new in Puerto Rico. Uh, I was the only one on the island uh, at the time. And so uh, being able to uh, take that, start up the program in, uh, in, um, in Puerto Rico, uh, undergraduate program, being able to uh, go to the community, talk to them about that, Because, you know, here we are, we've got a first group of students that are going to be graduating in a couple of years and they need to have jobs. And we had to educate all the different uh, professional sports teams within the island and Mm -hmm. and rehab clinics about what a certified athletic trainer does. Uh, It it was it was a big challenge, Um, you know, and uh, over time, I did end up uh, back in Georgia working at a clinic, uh, doing some work with uh, different high schools and things like that. Um, But I got burned out. Yeah. So about ten years of doing that, I got really burned out, and, and I just, you know, sometimes, uh, it, and this is, you know, yeah, talk about some of the advice that we'll have at the very end. Yeah, <laughs> It's to be flexible. Yeah, be open, be flexible. Knowledge is everything. The uh-huh. more you know about many different subjects, the the easier it's going to be to um, uh, to pivot from one yeah. thing to another when those opportunities come around, and to be a little fearless. Um, Well. <laughs> I take that back. I was you know full of fear every time made yeah. <laughs> to move. But you just kind of had to go in head first. And yeah. it's almost like uh, you know climbing mountains or whatever it is. Just kind of mm-hmm. just go for
1: it. Just face it.
2: it. really that's that's uh it, it's a tough it's a tough thing to do. Yeah. Um and so when an opportunity came out to uh, or came about f- to move from actually being a clinician to being in sales mm-hmm. uh, medical products and eventually surgical sales um I, I Took that on, you know, and so I went from burned out in one career to kind of finding a a fresh new look at uh, at at a way to use some of my knowledge already and anatomy and things like that. And that's uh, that's how it all started. So uh, really sales for a bunch of years uh, and then uh, and then marketing. Uh, mainly because the little company I was working for didn't have a marketing department. Mm-hmm. And you learn really quickly that you could have the best salespeople in the world, but if you don't have a marketing uh, or, or a marketing department or marketing group, mes- proper messaging, yeah. all those things behind that, you're really doing them a disservice.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: And I felt that uh, being a sales manager, I, I didn't have the right tools or the right uh, information for my, for my teams. And, uh, and so I, Again, pivoted <laughs> over <laughs> to a, kind of a little bit of a different area, and it's not something that I'm classically trained in. I, yeah. You know, I didn't get a degree in that in any way, shape, or form. Um,
1: Maybe an experience. It,
2: it was It was uh, experience, um, pure luck in many cases. I yeah. did a lot of right things when really uh, there was no reason for, for, for that to happen. I think it was just, again, uh, in many cases, pure luck. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until many years later that I kind of found out. It's like, wow, I really was lucky because I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then you really then you meet real marketing people. Yeah, uh, people who actually are trained, who are who went through the education that uh, really know a lot of things uh, related to that, and, and all of a sudden your mind's blown. You know? Yeah, and uh, so that's that's kind of a that kind of got me right up to sort of the edge of where we're at here with uh, with precio.
1: Yeah, I want to um, talk a little bit about that. Um, you. You had talked about how um, you had left as a kid mm-hmm. to come over to Georgia. That's really where you got a lot of your professional chops, where you did like you got into um, the athletic scene mm-hmm. and then you went to the Air Force. I imagine the Air Force really shaped up a lot of your skills that you use today. I, I, I make mean hospital
2: corners on my beds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so everything's
1: but, clean, all of those kind of things. Yeah. Um, But you know what's interesting about what you said is that when you went back to your community after going fishing with your brother and everything, um, what about what's it like to be like the expert and the only expert? Like you oftentimes hear somebody say, like, it feels like I'm on an island. You know what I mean? And you were literally the only one on the island that had that kind of expertise. What's that like trying to stand up something? And reeducate and all of all of that i i
2: uh this is kind of weird to say this um it was easy at the time. it's one of those kind of things that uh uh I guess maybe I was naive mm-hmm. uh it, you know you, you sometimes have to when you, when you do some of these pivoting deals that you do and you you, you kind of have to approach it with a little bit of na- naivete yeah. You know, if you really think hard about what you're doing, it's going to hit you. It's like, wow, okay, I may be, I'm, I'm the only one on the island that's, got, that's, that's really doing this, uh, athletic training. Um, you know, one of my, uh, co-professors, uh, didn't arrive till, you know, for like another six months or didn't get involved until a little bit later. Um, but for a while there, I was, I, that was it. And I was doing, uh, again, a lot of work that had, you know, that was promoting the profession if I had thought about it any more than what I did, um, I think I would have freaked out completely, <laughs> but it was the yeah. fact that I was just, I was young and dumb. Didn't have a clue. I was just gunning it. You know, I, I kept in touch with my professors, uh, you know, from uh UNLV and asked them questions. Hey, I'm, you mm. know, we're getting this program started and, uh, just want to run things by you. And I was just going full speed. Yeah. Um, I, uh, and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that when they look back at what they did when they were younger, they ask themselves, "How did I even do that?" Yeah, and it's it's like a whole different person, a diff- different personality. You know, it's it's uh, you're a different embodiment of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 that's a tough one. And uh, to say, you know, really, what I w- what was I, you know, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? Well, th- that's know? that's kind of what's or what's so interesting about that is like when when you say like, well, I mean uh, there's a part of it that was like I was just young and dumb. I've used that same I've used that same phrase. And uh, what's interesting about that is that like ignorance is bliss and maybe maybe it's like you didn't know then what you know now and maybe you wouldn't make that same leap today. (laughs) Like you did that. No doubt. If you know what
2: I know now, if I could if I could transport myself back in this, you know, really cool time machine uh, of course, the time machine has to be cool. You know? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <For> yeah, sure. <laughs> if, if that were to happen and, and uh, somebody said, hey, we've got this for you and you know, come into town and, and we've got this, you know, we're going to have you, you know, uh, head up these services at the Olympic Training Center. And then on top of that, hey, you're going to go teach college with a bachelor's degree. You don't even have a, you don't even have a master's. Yeah. <laughs> we're just asking you to start your master's. But on an emergency mm-hmm. basis, we're going to have you teach this program and teach 21 credits a semester. Would I have done it now? Of course not. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's crazy. I, I'm like, no, I want to go fishing. You know, forget <laughs> it. No. But
1: what's what's interesting, though, is like, you ask yourself that question, like, would I go do that now? And the answer is no, like, a overwhelmingly no. But do you regret doing it? Oh, absolutely not. Isn't of that interesting? Yeah. Isn't that that's funny that, the way that's that works crazy. out? <laughs> it's like, that was awesome. You know, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: I, I love the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Made a lot of good friends. I, I you know, keep in touch with my my old students to this day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but uh, it, but yeah, it's it's at you know looking back, no, I wouldn't have done it, but do I regret it? Uh, regret it in any way, shape, or form? Absolutely not.
1: Oh, that's loved awesome. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Do you ever make a? Uh, do you ever make your way back to Puerto Rico? I do about yeah. once a year. Uh, yeah. What's the? What is the? athletic landscape like in Puerto Rico to have? Cause I don't know if like, like does everywhere have an Olympic training facility or, or were there that many athletes coming off the Island?
2: Great question. Um, it's a, it's an interesting Island. Um, you've got about three and a half million people, give or take, depending on what, how the economy is doing. I think right now it's about 3.3 million, um, hundred miles wide, 35 miles North South, and you've got so many athletes, um, both recreationally, uh, professionally, amateur. It's it's like athletics is such a big deal down there. Really? Yeah. And and for a a, a place so tiny to have its own Olympic training center, uh, its own Olympic committee, you know. So you've got U.S. and you've got Puerto Rico, and you know, uh, uh, so which is really interesting. And, and really, you know, a lot of great athletes that come out of there. Um, But they, they, um, they modeled uh, a lot of what they do on uh, back then it was the Australian system where in Australia they would have uh, a boarding school and this is a boarding, you know, boarding school for athletes. Mm. And you'd have uh, from, I think it was like fifth or sixth grade forward, you know, kids that come in and if, you know, maybe they showed a certain amount of athleticism, they, they get evaluated, and then over the course of the first several years, they're just exposed to a lot of different sports. It could be fencing, it could be judo, it could be uh, um, you know taekwondo, it, anything like that. And so they get exposed to these sort of uh, not your basic sports. You know, it's, we're not talking about uh, you know soccer. Mm-hmm. We're we're talking about boxing. We're talking about you know those things that we know that you know Puerto Rico you could do pretty good in, right? Mm-hmm. A- and and. As they progress through the, the years, they get, uh, things get narrowed down. The coaches all get together and talk with them, talk with their parents. And uh, finally, you, know, you could end up saying, okay, we want uh, you know, you, you're going to do in this sport. Is that what you want to do? Yes, okay, you're really good at it. And then they compete, you know at, and, uh, both in Puerto Rico and sometimes abroad. The very first graduating class from that school had 11 people, I think it was 11. That qualify for the Pan American Games, wow! Uh, yeah, and so uh, and we're talking about a school of around you know three hundred students, yeah. right around there, uh, total. Yeah. So th- those numbers are huge.
1: Yeah, to have even one, yeah, qualify is mm-hmm. huge. But. Yeah.
2: So you know, and then you know, we, we and you talk about the ex- excellence in boxing. You talk about the excellence in, in you know sports like gymnastics, which was another. You know, those are two sports that I that was. You know, I was heavily involved in especially gymnastics. Um, you know, we, we had people go to you know Olympics. Right now, <laughs> you know, it's a uh, you know there is a uh, there are about three. I think there are three people representing Puerto Rico in the Winter Olympic Games. Really? Yeah, yeah. So uh, in the winter in the games, winter? In the yeah. Winter like games. What are they Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, so so <laughs> if, if you're half Puerto Rican, yeah, you can compete for Puerto Rico if you want to. Oh, okay. More, or if you establish residency as. Um, uh, William uh flattery uh has done uh he's a young I think he's 18 years old or something like that completed competed both in uh I'm not sure if it was the uh giant slalom but uh but definitely in a slalom last night I think actually in both and he uh he out of uh both you know both runs on each one uh he completed them
0: oh wow when wow. you look
2: at the list of dnFs <laughs> it's yeah of, it's pretty impressive so uh, you know of course I'm for him yeah young, yeah. yeah he's just getting started he's he's young and, and his his story is amazing um but yeah it's one of those kind of things that strangely enough the the number of athletes and recreational athletes was was so large so the the need was established there for um uh for basically a healthcare professional that wasn't just involved in standard physical therapy or sta- or, or you know certain th- things like that but somebody that was really a little bit closer to what the needs of the of the athlete was you know whether it's a recreational athlete or uh you know amateur or professional athlete um and that need was established and sure. uh and sure enough i mean the result of that uh I and mean, we're talking about uh mid-1990s when all this was going on with, you know, with me being there now you know we step back to uh you know here we are 2022 and the level of employment for athletic trainers in Puerto Rico is huge. You know, whether it's in mm-hmm. clinics and, and uh, recreational centers, colleges, mm-hmm. uh, professional sports teams within the island. Um, those that have left the island and now are athletic trainers here in the U.S., whether you know, with professional sports or colleges and things like that, high schools. Um, so it, uh, it, in essence, because of the amount of, um, of uh, active people within the island the uh, the program became successful. That's awesome, yeah.
1: man! Mm-hmm. What what a journey. Um, do well. So let me. I want to talk about Presio. Sure. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about what Presio does?
2: Sure. So uh, as you mentioned earlier, Presio is a medical device company, and what we do is um, we develop. Uh, I, right now, we're focusing on one particular solution specific for. Uh, degenerative disc disease in the cervical spine. So uh, what does that mean?
1: Hang on. Uh, Degenerative disc disease. Yes. Right? Yes. Got it. Degenerative disc disease. Gotcha.
2: Fancy words, but let me, let me paint it (laughs) to you in a a simple way. Yeah. You know, you, you, you uh, let, let's, for argument's sake, let's say, for instance, you're, you're young, you know, you're in your 20s, and and you're, you know, out doing go-karts, right, over at uh, one of these places, and you get uh, hit from behind really hard by, you know, a person who forgot to stop behind you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, 10 years later, you find yourself with some numbness in your arm, you are wondering what the heck, you know, where's that coming from? And you go to the doctor, the doctor says, oh, well, you, you've got, you know, uh, you know, there's a nerve, nerve impingement or something like that. And that's often how how it starts. You know, it could be a, a progression that could come for no good reason, or maybe there was an, a, an injury that happened a long time ago, mm-hmm. or in some cases, sort of an acute injury. Mm-hmm. If you could imagine the 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 um, the bones in the neck, essentially your vertebrae, you've got these vertebrae that are stacked upon e- one on top of each other. Uh, I like to think of the what they call the vertebral bodies the main part of it right as as big thick hockey pucks mm-hmm. and in between each one of those is a jelly donut right mm-hmm. and it's all kind of being held together by all these you know other tissues that kind of hold everything in place so nothing slips from side to side but that's how you are able to move your neck up mm-hmm. and down back to, you know side to side rotating It all happens between because you have these hockey pucks that are sitting really nicely upon these jelly donuts. Mm -hmm. If with an injury like that, you could have, say, for instance, one of those jelly donuts start leaking, Mm.
1: right?
2: And then you got the little grape jelly or strawberry, whichever is your favorite flavor, (laughs) starts you know coming out the side a little bit, sure. And that starts bumping up maybe against one of the nerve roots coming out of your your um, uh, your, basically your spinal cord.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And when that bumps up against there. Those nerve roots that send signals down your arm, that ends up being, you know, what you may find, hey, my hand's going numb, or I feel some numbness in my elbow, or whatever it is, right? Wow. And so the kind of not a typical progression, but this is what I'm most familiar with is I've had a lot of patients that ended up doing this. They go to physical therapy first, and they do all these rehab exercises, and they generally work quite well. And the symptoms may resolve. The problem may still be there, but the symptoms resolve and mm-hmm. you're fine for, you know, eight, nine, ten more years. Uh, but then it gets to the point where, all right, the, the 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 disc itself is really in bad shape. The jelly spilled out of it. It's no longer a thick jelly donut. Now it's a little thin whatever's left mm-hmm. over, right? A little, just the crust of it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the the hockey pucks, your vertebrae are really close together. And uh, so your neck is, you know, the shape of your neck. Things just don't look normal anymore. And because of the pain associated with that and some of the, again, numbness and tingling, um, surgeons often have to go in and, and take that disc and clean it out, get rid of it. You know, saying, well, what's going to be left over? Well, what they're going to do next is, is basically fuse it. This is called an... Oh, boy. Um, mm-hmm. Anterior cervical discectomy infusion, ACDF. Now we're getting into mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. the big words, right? ACDF, baby. So <laughs> so. The, a, the ACDF, baby, is uh, is a procedure. We'll still go in, take the disc out, and they're going to put a some uh, something to um, add a little space in there. Remember we talked about how because the disc is kind of collapsed, the hockey pucks, uh, the vertebral bodies collapse on, onto each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And... You know, you you want to restore that height, right? And, and maybe a little bit of that natural cervical spine curve, which kind of curves back a little bit. And so they'll put a spacer in there. Sometimes it's made out of a piece of bone or sometimes titanium. And they're going to take that wedge, they're going to put it in there, jam it in there, lift everything up. Everything's looking great. Now you got to lock it down. Mm. And to lock it down, often th- oftentimes what they use is a plate. It's a. It's a, it's a piece of metal, it's got four holes in it, and uh, the four holes are for screws. And they'll put that in between, the, uh, uh, right, right against the bones there, against the vertebrae. Mm-hmm. They'll put two screws on the top bone and two screws on the bottom bone, tighten them down, and that kind of holds everything together. The purpose of that is to stop as much motion as possible at that level, so that over time, bone can grow right through that spacer that's in there, and you create one solid piece where that that jelly donut used to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now that becomes one solid piece of bone. So you've stopped all the motion that's happening there. When that happens, the idea is then that pain goes goes away because the disc has already been removed. Mm-hmm. There's no you know we hope to see resolve, uh resolution of the uh, of the tingling and numbness. Mm-hmm. That becomes one solid piece. And that traditional method of using plates and screws uh, works really well. What um, what ended up happening with Presio was that there was a, a, a surgeon that uh, I had worked with in the past with another company. And we used a special type of material with our implants uh, that we created these implants for basically for the foot. And their job was to hold bones together, squeeze them together. Essentially, so they were elastic, very powerful springs. Mm-hmm. And as you squeeze bones together, it locks them in place give you an idea, if you take your two fists and put them together, mm-hmm. right, you know how the knuckles kind of all fit into each other? Fit in the place. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of do it loosely, you know, everything moves, mm-hmm. but then that push them really hard together and then try to try ah. to move them. They're in it. They're in it. They're locked. They're locked right? in. And so compressing bones together does that, locks everything in place, limits the amount of motion, actually helps, uh, helps uh, with the bone healing process. Kind of helps bone grow across there, lock everything down. His idea was, why can't we take this into the spine? Mainly because he was working with another young founder, uh, one of the founders of our company, who's uh, an exceptional uh, spine surgeon. A uh, young guy, d- incredibly smart. And uh, along with a couple of the folks, got together and formed the company. I came a little bit later, and uh, like literally about a year later, um, as the, uh, the development of a, of a new product was coming about. And so instead of a plate... What we have is is a product called the, the uh, Continuum ACDF, Nitinol Fixation System.
1: <laughs>
2: Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> uh, no, you said, no, I, we should have said Nitinol. Uh, I'm sorry, ACDF Baby. Yeah, CDF, baby. You know, I'm telling you, that's why I'm not the marketer. I I shouldn't be the marketer. But essentially, it's a four-legged staple made out of the special nitinol material, which is kind of developed by the Navy in the 1960s, about half nickel, half titanium. And it has the ability to behave like a real powerful spring. So instead of putting a plate on there with four screws, basically the surgeon just drills the four holes puts this in there and it he's able to put it into the bones where the legs are parallel to each other and when the the product is released off of the inserter it actually squeezes down mm. all right the legs converge the bridge bows a little bit pulls everything nice and tight And just like I showed you earlier with the uh, with your fist right yeah it it locks everything down there's less motion in this case we're kind of creating almost like a like a sandwich right you mm-hmm. got the two hockey pucks and a new spacer that was wedged in there. We're kind of holding all that together, locking it down, reducing motion, and then trying to promote healing. Uh, the fact that it's sort of uh, doing this compression is is a, r- a real big deal. Because um, right now, everything else out there provides sort of a passive compression. That is, the weight of your head, right, going yeah. down compresses the vertebrae, right? But what happens when you lay down? You don't no longer have that weight on there anymore. Yeah where our product basically is designed essentially to continue compressing even though you're laying down 8, 10, 12 hours a day, depending on how many meds you're on after <laughs> surgery, right? Yeah. And so that is one of the things that we're, that, uh, we're looking at. We're doing quite a bit of, um, of just uh, final tweaks to the system right now. Actually, I think we're just about locked everything down. We uh, we basically develop something like this. We take it to the FDA with all the uh, you know data and everything associated with it. Um, if the FDA decides, um, that it's, uh, it's equivalent in terms of its function and safety to other products that are out there, they give a, basically a clearance to market it. And once you have that clearance, then you're ready to go to, you know, to, to use it. In our case, we received clearance about a year ago which of course helps significantly in terms of fundraising for sure. But there is still time necessary to you know, finish the tweaks, particularly instrumentation. Sometimes the, the, the most important thing you gotta, you gotta nail down. And so we spent the year working on this instrumentation, tweaking it, a bunch of labs, you know, cadaveric labs and things like that, which are really cool by the way, as long as you don't pass out. Mm-hmm. And what uh, is that? Yeah. That, that means you, uh, you order a, a neck, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes it, you know, but
1: it comes attached with it, a com- body that it comes, some,
2: oftentimes, attached to other other parts, and uh, and this is one of the, one of the things why I uh, I'm a big proponent. I do it myself to con- contribute my body to science because otherwise these things couldn't be done. We need to find out how things work and and, and as close as possible to a real situation. So, yeah. cadaveric modeling and cadaveric labs are very important in order, in order to validate your product. Um, yeah. And we use, you know, our surgeons will come in and test it out and say, listen, this works great or we need to change this instrument or whatever. And once you get to that point, then, uh, which is pretty much where we're at right now, we are now getting ready to move towards uh, first use in human. Whoa. Uh, so we're expecting that sometime, uh, uh, probably early Q two is what we're hoping for. That's exciting. Uh,
1: that's right around the corner. That's, that's like right two months away. Uh, yeah. I know, <laughs> month I mean, <laughs> and a half. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's
2: probably going to be, uh, uh, you know. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. You always say, okay, we want to do it by this date. And, yeah. boy, things sometimes get in the way. Oh, a yeah. little COVID here, a little COVID there. A little pandemic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pandemic, you know. And then, you know, we kind of run out of uh, time. and But um, but we're really close to that point. Yeah, We've got uh, some great surgeons that are lined up uh, that are going to be the first ones to, to use it. And, um, and we hopefully will be able to launch uh, sometime by the end of the year, we hope, if not early next year. Do a full color call call confetti launch. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We,
1: what, w- this is so interesting to me, and I, I have so many questions just about the process because, like, yeah. like I, uh, I feel, you know, being in the seats that John and I are in, we get a lot of exposure to startups and founders and ideas and seeing them, you know, go from an idea that we had over lunch to, like, Something that we're now pitching for funding, or or a tangible object. Um, but what's interesting about this is I don't I don't think I've ever like really um, had the opportunity to dive into a journey like this, like a medical device. And um, it sounds like it takes a long time to even get to a point where you can sell this. So, what was how long was that process from like? Um, we know that this is the device that we're going to pursue. Um, this the four pronged compression piece. How how long did it take from that moment to um, now, where like you have FDA approval, you're working in the cadaveric cataveric labs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're working in the labs, and you're, I mean, now months away from a potential launch. How long was that process?
2: Uh, this one. Um took about four years right, right around there. Wow. Um, yeah. It's, it, you know, it's um, this was an interesting uh, project because uh, it was done very bare, bare bones uh, really up until after we got FDA clearance a year ago. Uh, we're talking about just a couple of folks working on this project with a couple of consultants and that's it. Yeah. You know, there are other projects in which um, companies will have an idea and they'll pitch it. They'll get tons of funding early they'll build up this massive team and they can move things maybe a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but even so some of the major players that are out there, the multi-billion dollar firms, you know, they may take for the same project anywhere from, you know, three to six years. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting at a pretty good point, even, even though everything was done, you know, bare bones, being very careful to make sure that, uh, you know, that, um, uh, we we're, um, you know, doing the right things for investors in terms of, you know, not, not spending money like rock stars or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then be able to still be able to hit our, our milestones. Um, I've been involved in projects where from the first sketch on a napkin to uh, first human use was around, you know, 13, 14 months. Um, And, uh, and I've seen projects that, uh, you know, uh, you know, six, seven years later for something, quite similar it's it's still being bounced around um it also depends on the complexity of the project and depending on whether it's uh orthopedics um you know whether it's vascular whether Mm -hmm. the project is something that is a thousand percent new um where all of a sudden you you have to do all you know different there's different pathways regulatory pathways that one must take Uh, a lot more research you got uh, you know um basically animal models, I have to be done first. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, those things can take forever and and medical devices, 10 years, sometimes 12. Um, So, but, you know, thankfully I've been in in a particular area that things could be done a little bit quicker. Yeah, uh, but it's, I imagine it's, it's, it's still rough,
0: difficult to navigate through the medical field, whether it's like for a device or for medicine, like yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, you can imagine the
2: compliance, regulations, mm-hmm. everything. I mean, you have, there's so many I's to dot and T's to cross, uh, and you want to make sure you hit all of them. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Uh, so you bring in consultants and advisors and things like that to help with those processes, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't want to be really close to launch and all of a sudden forget, oh my gosh, we didn't, you know, there's something we didn't do correctly or, you know, not according to best practices when it comes to, you know, uh, you know, engineering and whatever it is, Uh, you know, marketing, you know, there's, there's this whole thing in in terms of what you say, what you can't say, do you have the evidence to be able to, to, to back up what you're saying? You know, we see a lot of, a lot of folks out there, you know, uh, in different uh, areas, you know, make a lot of claims, but uh, it, and certainly in medical devices and, and in medicine, you have to be able to back up what you say. You gotta you
0: have those T's crossed and those I's dotted. Absolutely, for sure.
1: that's it. Yeah. You know, I uh, something that uh, that I think is really interesting too is this. This does sound like it takes a long time, and like you know, typically at Geekdom, the companies that we're working with, it's fast. Like they they get traction and. I mean, the whole point of startups is to make something that scales quickly, and in relative terms, it sounds like this is scaling up quickly. Um, but in taking all that time, how do you keep uh, well with something that takes that much time? It doesn't sound uh, cheap. It sounds like <laughs> it's expensive to keep to keep these, you know, the brightest minds involved and engaged, and getting consultants and developing processes. Um, so. What metrics do you use to um, keep your investors or stakeholders interested and involved? How do you, and and even your staff, like how do you keep the morale up knowing you got such a long journey? Uh, (laughs) That's a a great question.
2: Um, There are certain, uh, when you you first get get into this, when you first talking to people about investing, you know, there's... Uh, or even just being interested to, to be a part of whether it's a, a surgeon advisory board or even just hiring people, um, you know, you have to have, first of all, uh, an idea, right? Mm-hmm. The idea has to be uh, marketable. There's got to be a market for it. There's got to be desire for it. You're solving a problem. Yeah, you know, this is, again, a lot of the things, uh, that, you know, a lot of marketeers do, you know, uh, are you solving an unmet need? How are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's ultimately the, you know, what's going to be your value proposition, all these things we have to nail down really early on, uh, because we're going to use that, uh, both to, uh, you know, look for funding, mm-hmm. uh, as well as to bring on employees that are going to be risking their careers to come in and hang out with you. Um, All of a sudden, you know, what you don't want is to find out. It's like, hey, great product you developed, but there's only two people in the world using it. Yeah. 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 You don't want to be there, right? Yeah. Um, And then on top of that, there's uh, feasibility from the R&D side. Mm -hmm. So uh, you could develop, you could think about a great product. You know, it's a wonderful drawing on a napkin. You know, it sings and dances and everything else, but you really can't make it. Yeah. Uh, And you don't find out you can't really make it until you've already brought in certain stakeholders and things like that. That's also a situation you don't want to be in. Sure. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to uh, ensure that you have a market, that you can make it, um, that it's solving a problem and that it resounds, you know, that the at least a valid proposition that you're first coming up with, you know, that's kind of a living sort of thing. But. But, for the, but at least you have something that resounds, that um, resounds with people that essentially brings them in that, that piques their interest. Um, and then you have the timelines associated with that project. Mm-hmm. You know, Here's, we want to be at this point, you know, we want to go ahead and, and uh, f- from a design point of view, and I'm not, I'm not an engineer, but uh, I, I, I work with them and I hear all kinds of stuff and I try to, they do too much paperwork. That's just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, there are certain things that have to be done from that perspective. From the marketing perspective, I've got to, you know, watch what they're doing, advancing, make sure we're getting a voice of customer, uh, make sure that as a product's being developed, that uh, it does incorporate certain things that we hear our surgeon customers want. Whether it's a certain, I mean, it could go all the way down to um, uh, not just form and function and what it's going to be doing, you know, ultimately how it's going to play with the human body. But also in terms of instrumentation, you know, how does it feel in your hands? Is it too tall, too short? Is it too thick, too wide? Mm-hmm. You know, because surgeons have to use these instruments and they have to feel like it's something, you know, familiar to them. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're trying to break molds in terms of how things are
1: being done.
0: 100%. Yeah. yeah. And
1: you don't want to have to go back in. Right. And to, to do something. And yeah. what's another thing that I think is interesting with this is that like, It's not like you're just making. It's not like you're just taking something that was a drawing on a napkin into like a 3D model or something. You're talking about like half titanium and like these really important materials. So it sounds very expensive to do all of that too. So what I'm hearing is that like what's most important is having that clarity and communication on these are the these are our measurables and these this is why those matter and. You know, and then also with your team really being clear about um, what are the meaningful milestones and when we should expect to hit those.
2: Exactly. And, and, you know, there are meaningful milestones. You so you're defining those. Mm -hmm. You're defining defining everyone's roles, you know, to, you know, within that process. Um, You know, there are some people in your team that that will have very specific roles. They have to be laser focused on their job. Uh, to be able to, to hit those deliverables at the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there are going to be people within your team that are going to be sort of the jack of all trades, you Mm -hmm. know, and those are, uh, I, I tend to be one of those. Uh, I am, I am not, again, I'm not a marketeer by, uh, by training in Mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form. Uh, I'm not an engineer, uh, and so I'm s- within the company. I'm sort of the jack of all trades. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm the one that's oftentimes most at risk of being uh, of being pulled in a direction that's not really focused on getting us to where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hey, you know, so like squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and I know the feeling. Yeah, and, and, and so um, and, and so really identifying those incredibly important people within your within your company. Uh, that have those capabilities and then making sure that that they're being guided properly in that Mm -hmm. in the process um, that they uh, also are given the freedom to be creative when they need to be creative. Um, And so it's just it's really um, it's it's you're taking all these different personalities and finding out what their strengths are and then trying to orchestrate this this kind of going back to band, basically it is sort of an orchestra. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got the, you know, the trumpet guy over here who's ad-libbing a little bit. You know, you've got the other person over there who's like, no, I got to I got to hit every note and do it perfectly. But everybody has a role. Yeah. And, uh, and and in essence, um, you have to also over communicate, not just with them, but also with the stakeholders, you Mm -hmm. know? And so as long as you're doing all those things, I think you have a pretty good pathway, um, you know, to 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 at least get to where you at least get to certain milestones. Yeah. You know, as you move on, you're always stopping and reassessing. Are we going the right direction? Is this, you know, because it's so easy to have your mind stuck. No, you know, we've already gone this far. It's just perfect. We don't need to change anything. Yeah. But you know, boy, you hear from one other person says, you know, I don't know. If this has not work for me, and I think I've got colleagues that maybe they're gonna think that whatever this handle is in the wrong angle, you know? And you have to be willing to stop and assess that and mm-hmm. find out, is this a real issue? Is this an end of one? Or is this something that's going to come back and bite you later on if you don't fix it now?
0: Yeah.
1: that Yeah. And yeah. that's a challenge that I, I think is industry agnostic with startups. Yeah. You know, like you have to, you have, you can't be so in love with what you're doing. You have right. to listen. What is it?
0: uh, Fall in love with the problem, not the solution. That's it.
2: That's a really good point. I wish I would have learned that much earlier in my life, (laughs) trust me. Yeah, because
1: that, I mean, that's a great phrase because um, then, like, you want to listen and you want that feedback and you feel proud and good about making these changes because your first idea may not be the best one, but it might be the one that gets you to Mm -hmm. the best one.
2: I I have a, a propensity to fall in love with, with the solution, yeah, which is not good,
1: yeah, and the awareness is good, b-
2: but the awareness is really important, mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to make sure that within your company you have all the yin, yin and yangs, yeah, working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna butt heads. You're gonna pound the table. You're gonna, you know, oh, okay, well, let's just agree to disagree. No, you got you got to hash that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um because having those opposing forces within your company it may seem like a bad thing, but in the end, I think at least in many cases, you end up with a much better product.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, uh,
2: yeah, so it's that that's a tough one
1: though. Mhm. Yeah, I think it's very healthy to have those disagreements and and you know, just discussions, you know, but yeah. in the end, especially at Presio, we've all got each other's back.
0: Ah, okay. Well, you know what? Good one. You that's even said something earlier. he said bare bones. Yeah, oh, I, like, hey,
1: I got you, Doug. I love it. Uh, that's that's <laughs> awesome. Um, so uh, another question I have is like, if if, like if if I'm somebody who needs who has this need, like if I get an injury and I need, what do you call it? The thing. What what is the thing the four pronged thing that yeah, you it's, called? It's earlier? called
2: the uh, the continuum.
1: The continuum. So yeah. if I was if I was a good candidate for that, I don't imagine that you're marketing to me directly, or are you? Who is your customer?
2: You are just full of great questions. <laughs> you know what? Hey, pay raise. Okay, <laughs> all right. We'll see. I'll consider it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Well, really funny. You mentioned that we see that a lot. What on TV with uh, you know um, all the jingles and songs associated with, uh, you know, with medications and things like that. You don't see it so much in, um, in certain medical devices. You might, you know, there may be some things like, um, you know, some kind of a a blood sugar, whatever detector thingy, you know, that, Hey, I'm wearing it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You know, um, but in orthopedics, that's not something you see very often. Yeah, Uh, and yet several companies over the course of uh, several years now have actually done extremely well doing that. To, you know, where uh, uh, surgeons are saying, "Wait a second, I just had a patient come to me and ask me about the product." You know, for a thing, are you one of those that does blankety blank?
1: Oh, you know,
2: and so it's it's a bold new world, you know, new strategy. Yeah, and um, you know, I I've been. I have to admit I've been very resistant to that uh, mm-hmm. just because of I've been in this industry for very, long. I'm kind of, you know, for a long time and I'm a little bit, you know, kind of a, you know, just a grumpy old person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and um, but I have to admit it works. Yeah. And if you have the right product and you have the right, um, the right messaging uh, it's you have uh, you can be respectful uh, to your surgeon customers um, cause that's always, in my mind, I always felt that's where I kind of had my things. Like, I don't want a patient going to, or potential patient, go into a surgeon, ask for something. And then a surgeon have to call our company and say, I just found you, your website. Who are you guys? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather get the message out first. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but like I said, it's, it's a brave new world, I think. And, um, you know, we're starting to see a lot more of that direct to patient marketing, uh, to where, uh, you know, in, in, with a product like ours, um, I, I feel very strongly that we're probably going to start off in a more traditional fashion. We want to yeah. get to our surgeon customers first. We want to establish, um, uh, you know, a, a good user base, um, continue to, to gather data, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, who knows what will happen down yeah. the road. Uh, and, but, uh, but yeah, I could, I could tell you, I've, I've known folks in, and, uh, in, uh, other companies very, you know that uh, ex- uh basically uh did very well recently mm-hmm. um with that yeah and so um you know th- nobody's immune to tv or you know print uh magazines or mm-hmm. anything like that right and
1: uh we'll yeah, see it you know i uh, uh recently i i was i had an injury and i was putting a uh, air cast right and yeah. i I imagine that, like, something external, like, if somebody... I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought... When they told me I was getting a cast, I was like, how am I going to shower? Like, I don't even know. (laughs) I have so many issues already right off the bat. But they, they were like, oh, no, that's not even a concern. We have this air cast. Put it on. It's just a Velcro thing. You can take it off to shower, all that stuff. And... I imagine that if I, if I had seen an advertisement for an air cast then, and I knew I was going to get a cast on my leg, I would have asked the doctor and said, like, hey, like, I've seen this thing. Is that a thing I can get? I think that I, I would uh, be more, like, uh, I, I'd feel more confident in asking a doctor about something external. But something internal, like a continuum, I just, I don't know that I would have that knowledge or confidence to say that, like, I know that's what you recommend, but check this out. I saw this thing, <laughs> in the commercial break in American Idol. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, like, I think so would be a better solution. <laughs> somebody uh,
2: tweeted something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
1: yeah. man, what? A, that's an interesting challenge. It, it, it yeah. is. It is. You know, we we um uh
2: you know we have a, a LinkedIn page at, and that's one of the primary forms that we communicate uh, with uh, you know p- pretty much the surgeon community and, and mm. other folks within the uh, the industry as well. And so, you know, we want to keep them, you know, excited about what's going on within the company uh, you know, as we progress and things like that. And, you know, we're um, working right now on a little bit more of an educational series um, you know, we're going to start off, you know, sort of meet the team mm-hmm. uh, kind of theme over the course of several weeks and then move on to, to a little more education. Uh, a lot of it surrounding the material that we use night and all, which, you know, uh, foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and podiatrists, they're, they're, they're actually well aware of it because, it's something that, um, you know, that's been sold out there for, for or, or, you know, uh, implants have been developed using that material for many years. But within the spine community, it's, it's new. And so, um, and so we're kind of having to start from square one. Okay, here's what the material is. Here's how it functions. Here's why it works. And here's why it's beneficial for use in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in this particular procedure. So we're doing that with, again, a surgeon base. But it's not necessarily anything that, uh, you know, we would, you know, do we do that at some point in time with, with patience, you know? And yeah. You uh, know, do, do we go on, you know, TikTok? And <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's yes. Whatever the latest. <laughs> what I know I'm like two years late already by even saying TikTok. But, I, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, so. Get in the metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about Presio. Hey, there it is. Well, <laughs> yeah, there, oh, by the way, there there is some amazing stuff happening with uh, Uh, with VR. Oh, don't even get us started. That's that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Surgical training and everything. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's crazy. We
1: just recently um, dove in with the Oculus, me and Mr. J.R.G., one of a couple of other friends. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're just exploring that world. And you're right. It's, there's, there's a lot going on with that. Um, Well, I think, uh, oh, I know what I was going to ask you. When, so when the continuum is out and y'all are y'all are selling it, you have customers, you figured that out. Um, is the next move for Presio to come out with another continuum, or or is Presio gonna? Is this the product that we focus on and then keep on going?
2: That's a great question. I, I'm gonna leave you hanging a little bit. <laughs> I like Ooh. that. Hey, that's good. I, I'm gonna say you know, we'll have to wait and see. We'll see. Yeah, we, we, so we got some got some bright folks. Yeah, and uh, we got uh, some. Crazy, uh, crazy imagination. Yeah, and so we're we're pretty much excited about what the uh, next possibilities are. So we're we're gonna let's talk again. Yeah, yeah, I love it a little bit later on, and uh, yeah, I'll tell you where we're going. And I I will say this: um, I'm
0: glad we got you on the podcast because there was at least three or four people that recommended it. Like, hey, I hear Presio. Like, you know, we're hearing a lot about them. Like, when are they gonna be on the podcast? Or like, you know, (laughs) what do you know about them? And so I've been. This is one of the episodes I've been waiting for. And uh, I mean, disrupting industries, doing cool stuff. A lot of the stuff we see is software. So when we have the opportunity to see like, you know, something that's a device, physical, medical device, especially it's, it's super exciting. It's cool. Um, And it's a,
2: it's great to get a peek behind the curtain as well. Well, yeah. Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate you guys doing this. You know, we've been really wanting to, to talk more, you know, especially with the geekdom community. And to be honest with you, we've been so busy. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh oh gosh i mean it, it's um we really feel like we're burning the candles at both ends it's a yeah. uh, you know a lot of uh uh you know there, there's a lot of um responsibility on our shoulders you know we got a lot of stakeholders involved and uh we want you know to deliver sure and do as you know do it in the, in the as we talked about earlier you mm-hmm. know hitting our, our our deadlines and and so um but uh, I've loved this, the fact that we finally were able to sit down, you know, and, and really have a chat on, on yeah. some of this. And hopefully, uh, uh, you know, let the community know a little bit about what's going on up there. And yeah, you know, feel free to knock on our door, you know, and visit. Yeah, uh, you got the uh, skeleton in
0: there, yeah. there
1: too. Yeah, so we'll yeah skele- we do
2: have the uh, the Hill skeleton with our mountain biking shirt. Um, <laughs> that's that's <yep>. awesome. Well,
1: <laughs> Eric, it's been real. I've really had a great time. Um, I do have one last final question for you. Sorry. Um When you think about, um, we talked a lot about adapting and we also talked a lot about getting into like new territory or um, uncertainty, I feel like is an understatement, (laughs) but um, for the founders out there or the folks out there that are looking at getting becoming the only expert in their field and being on an island like we talked about earlier or working on something like a medical device where... You see it. You have the vision, but you know that it's years until you're going to have that final product. What advice would you give, or what advice would you have wanted to hear?
2: Wow, well, um, no doubt. Dig deep and find find that child inside of you. Um, we talked about be naive. Mm-hmm. Be naive. Be creative. Uh, think outside the box. You hear all these clichés and everything, but they're so true. Yeah. Um don't let anybody tell you you can't or even more so, don't let anybody tell you to stay in your own lane. Um you know, buck the system. gosh, I, all these clichés you hear, they're clichés because they're they're so true. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if if you if you throw them all together, And, and you do that with the, again, with a sense of wonder and, and, you know, much, you know, very childlike, there's all kinds of crazy things you could do. Um, You know, I, I've been, I've been so fortunate, you know, we talked about, you know, my, my background, you know, a little bit of air force and sports medicine and sales and marketing. Um, But, you know, I had some ideas and, and I just never felt like that's not, that's not my place. It's not my role. And, uh, I ended up working, uh, with a, um, uh, with a couple of folks, particularly, uh, you know, one CEO that's, you know, just, uh, gave me the green light. Said, dude, just, it's cool. <laughs> you know, Yeah, what what do you have in mind? And I uh, think, I think at this point that was, gosh, that was around 2009. So, uh, at this point, I think I'm, I, I can't recall 15, 16, whatever, number, you know, number of patents that I've got. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's, can you can create uh, but you got to go ahead and and and, uh, and and really take that opportunity to to do that take the opportunity to uh, uh, or or I'm sorry not necessarily take the opportunity but uh, face these opportunities um, with even though you may have some fear in there just again just do it out of like if you didn't know any better yeah. Mm. I love that. You know, it's like I didn't know I was I wasn't supposed to spit on the flower. You know, when you're five years old, but you did it anyways, right? Yeah. And then you found out why. You know. You, yeah. Then you can study the bees and how they react to it. But that's kind of what life's about. You got to be able to do that, and um, just constantly, just have that wonder. Just learn every yeah. people. You know, if somebody's listening to this podcast because they want to learn, right? Mm-hmm. And learning is is it doesn't matter what trivial things you could have in your mind. You want to, you want to be that Renaissance person. You want to be that person that knows. A, yeah. You may be, you know, a true expert in your field, right? You, yeah. You're that one person by themselves in the Island, but you also want to know a little bit about everything going on in the Island. Yeah. You know, why the trees grow, you know, what the coconuts taste like, you know, mm-hmm. you want to, you want to know all these things, because someday you know you're gonna have to pivot, and you got to be ready for it. And um, and when you do that, the more you know, the easier it's you know, much easier it's gonna be to, to do that. So yeah, uh, I hope that made sense. That yeah, makes sense. A, that That's makes great <laughs> advice. yeah, it
1: makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I'm I'm hearing from you a lot of things. One of them is that um, find that inner child in you. Um, everybody, even if you feel like you can't take the leap or now it's not the right time, you've done it. Even if you have to go all the way back to when you were a little kid. Yeah you jumped off something that was too high or, or you fell off a bike or something. And the second thing I'm hearing from you is is um, not so much to not be afraid, but more so just understand that fear and just embrace it yeah. and just get after it. Exactly.
2: Um, How do you remember all this stuff? I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, this guy's a monster, I was gonna say. You know, do depositions? I mean. <laughs> no, I d- <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, no, I mean, I, I think honestly... Um and you know I don't want to speak too much for John but we've talked about this uh, quite a bit this the Geek to Underground podcast that's just something that we just love to do that's great you know it's just it, this is something that we get a ton of joy out of and um and yeah I mean I, I really I, honestly I really enjoy hearing your story and I enjoy you know um hearing the great things that Presio is doing and I learned so many new things in this yeah. room today um just about that medical device journey i mean for any entrepreneurs out there that that have thought about you know making a medical device or have thought that like i have this great idea for something and i also have the expertise to back it up but i can't create that thing or something okay. you know well presio did it you know and other yeah. people do it
2: and, and mm-hmm. you know what and be ready you're gonna yeah. draw something on a napkin it sounds really good right now uh but you know it may not be marketable may not be feasible and what do you do yeah, you drop something. You, you put that napkin in some drawer somewhere because you never know. You never know. <laughs> and then you yeah. open, get another one, and draw something else, and just mm-hmm. keep going. You know? Yeah. know, if if something doesn't look like it's gonna work out, gosh, you know, it's so what.
1: Yeah, just keep going. Yeah, because like how you were saying earlier, maybe maybe the screws aren't the best thing, but you got to keep the holes. You know what I mean? And so, like, all of these things are just iterations to kind of keep on on figuring that out.
2: I've had what I thought were really good ideas, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes somebody else said, yeah, no. (laughs) And you know what? That's a friend. uh, Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's right. There are the people (laughs) who say, yeah, no, you're like, you know, darn it, I'm going to go and conquer the world with this.
1: Yeah. But
2: but for most of the time, it's somebody telling you, yeah, it's not going to happen, you know? Yeah. You know, so it's... um just be ready for all that it's okay yeah you know life is uh, life is long for the most part hopefully and uh we'll all you know just continue to you know plug along with whatever project you know somebody might have uh plug along and if you have to pivot go in a different direction i mean that's the idea i guess to be an entrepreneur is is not necessarily a product it's not about a product it's not about you know it's it's about the idea of creating about you know whether it's uh, it's about delivering that baby that, that mm-hmm. company and growing it regardless of what the product is you yeah. know and if the one product is't you know if you have an idea and it's not going to go in that direction be ready to have another baby something like that <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's been a real pleasure. Again, thank you for coming and joining us on the Geekdom Underground podcast. Mr. JRG, if you would, please, sir, take us home.
0: Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Geekdom Underground podcast. It was a blast. And I uh, just want to say thank you again, Eric, for being thank here. You. Yeah. Uh, so
2: how do people learn more about uh, Presio? How do they follow? What's What's the website? Our websites website and uh, you can find us there. You can find uh, Presio Spine on LinkedIn, and um, of course, we're here at Geekdom. So anytime you guys, anybody wants to talk, you know, talk to us, we're right there on the sixth floor.
0: I love it. Cool. Well, thank you so much again, and yeah. we'll see y'all next week, y'all. Take Thanks care, everybody.